dear Nova, it's time to step out of that nest, that thing you call a comfort zone, which is anything but. It's time to soar. This is Lana Ski, hostess of the Supernova podcast, and this is your weekly invitation to greatness. In this week's podcast, we're going to learn about the four steps to helping you soar. So tune on in. Molly, welcome to the Supernova podcast. It is absolutely amazing to have you on this call. I'm delighted to be on a call with you. I'm smiling ear to ear, just the, the tone and the sound of your voice. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Molly, one of the things that really struck me about what you're, you're doing is your own definition of soaring, that it's this other way of being, that it's this new way of ushering in something. And I think it's such an appropriate conversation to be having now, especially on the backdrop of 2015, which is really the year of stepping into your greatness. It's the year of amplifying yourself and taking yourself to that next dimension. Now, you've got a very interesting story on how you got to this place of soaring, and I'd love you to share that with the audience. Oh my gosh, that is such a loaded question, Lena. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in less than five minutes. Hopefully I can do it. Um, you know, I basically, I came to the United States as a child refugee of war with my family. And I really believe, like all of our journeys, of course, it happened at birth. But I really believe a, a seed was planted inside of me, even on a very um, subconscious level, when I basically experienced the escape of leaving a war-torn country going on a tiny boat in the middle of the night, and my parents absolutely trusting that there was something better on the other side. Um, you know, there was just something better. It had to be better than what it was now. And just to keep moving and rowing and just prayed that we had safety and we would make it. And that's really kind of like the fire that's lit inside of me, even through all of the tragedies and losses that I've experienced in my personal life. Um, you know, I came here, we basically had nothing, a church uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. area sponsored my family to basically leave the refugee camps of Thailand after we left Laos and make it here to the United States. So we grew up really with this idea of, you know, gratitude for everything that we had. Um, we were living in poverty, but we had this huge support of a church, of a community, of a system. And that really does make a difference into how we, especially me as a child and my siblings, basically see the world. You know, we see that it's hard, but we also see that there's love. And I just believe that I'm built that way because of my circumstances. And, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with my desire to continue to soar in everything, even through the hardest and most difficult and, um, you know, painful times of my life. You know, fast forward into my um, high school and college years, I really just chose safety. I chose everything that would develop the left side of my brain because I didn't want to continue being, um, you know, in poverty, living in poverty. I didn't want to see my parents work three or four jobs. And so I made this decision as a child that I would take care of them and I would take care of being stable and choosing security over anything else. And that's what I did. I went to college, I graduated with three degrees, I ended up speaking four languages after college, all of that beautiful, right? Very, very driven. 
but it was still based on decisions that were wrapped in fear, fear of not having, lack mentality. And I didn't know that until I went through this journey, personal development journey, of all the decisions I've made basically came from all of the stuff in my environment, my, my teaching, things that I held on to, um, and there were my survival mechanisms. So I recognize that now, and I realized when I was 35 um, that I had made all these amazing, powerful decisions. I was you know, pretty content with my life. But I wasn't completely fulfilled. And I couldn't figure out why. I could not figure out why. I had worked so hard. I had all these degrees. I had a brilliant career as a financial rep. Um, and yet I didn't feel fulfilled. Um, you know, most of that had to do with tragic losses. I lost a fiance when I was 27. And then I lost my best friend to suicide, my father to cancer. Multiple losses in a very short period of time. So absolutely that made a big difference. And it was healing, but it was still the decision to be safe, to look safe, to look good, meaning nobody knows I'm, you know, hurting. And I just was not my full self. I didn't soar because I didn't see truly who I am was, you know, all of me. I didn't own where I was, meaning I was hurting. And I, you know, still wanted to be everybody's, you know, perfect being. I couldn't articulate myself because I didn't know emotionally because I hadn't worked it out how to tell people that I needed help. And then I certainly didn't release myself because I was still in hiding. And, you know, I just basically spelled out for you what sure means to me. The, the, the practice of being, owning, articulating, and releasing my unique self, my unique mission, and my unique message so that I can be my full self, which basically means I can give more and be ever-present to everything and everyone around me. And that's in a nutshell, I think I did that in five minutes, what led me to, to choose to leave my financial practice, to choose to find myself, and um, to choose to create this curriculum and this program called SOAR based on my own personal journey of uncovering um, who I really am and what I really stand for and want, truly want for myself and for the work that I want to do in the world. You know, I love what you've just been saying because conventionally, by societal standards, maybe it's just Hollywood standards, we've come to see success and soaring in such a very specific way. And you'd think that with four degrees and all these languages that you're speaking, that would be the attainment of soaring. And yet, it's not that. So what does it really mean to soar? What is that energy field all really about? And how do we really tap into what that can be for us? Yes, and I think that, you know, soaring and flying and feeling fulfillment, um, feeling that flow, it's so different for everyone. It looks different. It feels different. And the, the thing of it is you can't, fully sure unless you know deep down what it feels like, like what ultimately makes you feel the most at peace, the most enlightened, the most awakened to life. And that has a lot to do with digging deeper into what makes you uncomfortable to get comfortable, what makes you feel hurt so that you don't feel so much ache anymore, what makes you feel angry and hate so that you can gauge what love feels like. I mean, it's really that dichotomy. It's really the 
yin and the yang. And I feel like a lot of us, including myself, because it's so hard and so dark and so painful to dig deeper, we really don't get the full experience of love and life and fulfillment because we haven't gone deep enough to get to the other opposite side. So when we explain it to people, we really aren't speaking the depth of it. We have a taste of it. We have a sprinkle of it. But it's like a rubber band, right? It's like, you know, until you get to one end to the other, that's really how, how, how elastic your heart is, how elastic your life is. You're all of those things. And you can't just be happy and know that it's happiness. How do you know that it's happiness? I mean, you have to know what it's not like to be happy in order for you to claim that you understand happiness. And I feel like that's such a critical piece to soaring and not just soaring. I mean, to just being and living and where you feel passionate about life, where you feel like there's a purpose and you look at the world differently when you have purpose or when you claim a purpose. I really believe we all have a purpose or we wouldn't be here. But when we can own it and claim it and see it for ourselves and then take the, the steps and find the mentorship or find the avenues and channels in which we can explore to live, um, you know, in, in a space and place in our life where we feel good about life again. I mean, it's just start there. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be elated yet, but just feel good about it. So feel like it's light again and that you have um, this sense of belonging, this sense of purpose, and you have something to give that just doesn't serve your immediate needs, but something much greater than, than you and what you desire and what you need in this moment. Because it really comes down to that thing that makes you come alive, that thing that stirs your soul, that thing that gets you up in the morning. We can be living a life of blasé, we could be living a life of awesome, or awesome by, again, those conventional standards of picket fences and attainment. And yet, if there's no passion, if there's no purpose, if there's no soul and heart and all of that, then where is the human experience in all of that? And I guess it also kind of taps into the whole idea of alchemizing, alchemizing the things that are standing in your way and making it turn into something phenomenal. <laughs> yes, it's our old patterns, right? It's like, oh, this, this feels familiar. It doesn't feel safe. Okay, let me run from it. Or let me hide from it. <laughs> yeah, being more curious, right? Digging deeper, being more curious. Hey, where's this coming from? I know that's not my present state, but I'm still feeling it. I'm tapping into something. My frame of reference is kicking in here. And that's really what it is. Everything we feel, every emotion we have is a frame of reference we have from some other place. Whether it's in our, our uh, past, you know, in our history, or whether it's in something that we've seen, something that we've heard, something that we've taken externally. But it's it's consistently coming from elsewhere besides this present moment and this present state. So we can push through some of the old patterns and create something different then the outcome and our frame of reference becomes wider. So the next time it happens, we won't have that same exact immediate feeling that scared us. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it becomes curiosity. Oh, there it goes again. Let me let me try and shift this because, you know, this doesn't serve me anymore to feel this way. And let's just take that to one extra dimension because you've also got the sore network. And something that we often think about soaring, if we take a visual of soaring, it's normally something like that eagle that's flying majestically through the skies, doing its own thing, just leading in its own way, but forever in solitude. Those are the kind of snaps we get. And yes, you know, there are moments like that, but 
true soaring doesn't happen by being that lone wolf by being that lone eagle it happens in community you know it's amazing because i feel when i see an eagle soaring or when i see a bird flying there's such a serenity to it it's almost you you feel a connection to wow they they found their place in the world but when you see a flock of birds flying together and creating designs and rhythm and flowing together and they're communicating in their own way they know where they're going you know together there's a whole different um elevation that happens emotionally to us when we see that i mean it's like when you see a single solitary bird yes there's serenity and you feel happy that that the, the bird's got its wings and it's doing its thing and it's flying around but when you see a community there's just this sense of like the nature just takes over in us you know the the beings the human beings the animals in us and it just makes it feel a sense of home like where are they going together what you know like what what's the goal like what's the end goal what's the destination look like there's so much there's so much depth to to seeing that symbolism and bringing other people with us and at the end of the day I mean, physically, as human beings, and not just spiritual beings, as human beings, we're here on this plane, in this earth, in this lifetime, in this body, in this vessel, that won't last. And it has capacity. You know, our spirit and our memories and all our legacy will last, but not our physical form. And when I started to realize, you know, I'm getting to the age now where I'm approaching 40 soon, and I recently just got married, and I want to have a family. There was such a revelation into capacity, meaning I have these huge dreams and I want to see the whole world soar. I want people to find their passion and purpose and serve other people through just being their unique selves, right? And at the same time, I have to live in this world where I do have a family. I do have people who need me here and not everywhere all at once, even though I want to be. So how do you do that? You do that by collaborating. You do that by finding smarter ways to multiply your efforts, not necessarily you, yourself, but your efforts, your dream, your legacy, and find people in your tribe who want the same thing or similar things and find a way to continue doing our work together that's going to actually transform millions of more lives instead of the capacity we have as one person to maybe reach hundreds or thousands of lives on a physical level. And I'm not talking about online marketing and I'm not talking about that because that's a whole different topic. <laughs> and that is that is definitely a total possibility as well. But that's a realization in all of us, like especially when we do very high um, energy work, we were helping and, and nurturing a lot of people, we do need to ground ourselves or we will get sick or we will not have the energy and we won't be any good to anyone. And the magic of that is it's not only not selfish but in serving ourselves we get to serve the best in others too what a hard lesson for me to learn and for a lot of us to learn absolutely it took me such a long time until i just couldn't physically do it anymore i just gave and gave and gave and wanted to be everything to everyone and you know what they weren't getting all of me anyway they were not getting the full me and so all those efforts they still didn't get the full me. There was still some level of disservice there. And, and not to knock the fact that they got a lot of me. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was totally, totally present to it. But you know what I mean? It, it, I could have given even more if I was in full, um, if I had full capacity to give, if I had filled myself up more. 
And that's just really something that I've just learned in recent years. And, you know, we learn and then we teach. It's not about being a master or a guru. It's what we learn that's benefited us that, you know, our role in life is to teach what we, what works for us, what puts a positive thing for us. And I think just on that point of that I just mentioned a little bit earlier about the whole selfish thing is you're not actually being selfish by looking after yourself. You're not actually depriving yourself or being egotistical because that is the way we serve. That is the way we bring something forward into the planet. That is the way we actually soar. Exactly. I don't know where I heard this, Lena, but I remember someone spoke to me and it just so resonated with me about the concept of being self-centered. And when they asked me to pause and they said, say that word and say it slowly and emphasis on the second word. And so I said, self-centered. And it just woke me up to the concept of I do need to center self before it's not about being selfish. It's not about taking, you know, everything, your time and your energy just for you. But you need that, especially if you're in um, the world of giving and nurturing and coaching and supporting and gifting. Um, you know, that's really critical. When I heard that it's important to be self-centered versus self-centeredness, it's <laughs> very different tone. Um, it changed my whole philosophy and how I managed my time on my calendar. Uh, you know, things that were important for me, my creative writing space, a time that's just for me to reflect on non-business, non-client related things, because that's really when I can grow and expand and uh, evaluate where I am and, and what I've learned to do even more, to create more, to be more, to, to include more into my practice, into my programs for everybody in my life to benefit. And again, it's it's that hard lesson that we've spoken about a little bit earlier. It's that thing that we really struggle with, that we bump up in the dark or in the shadows of our own greatness over and stabs our toe and we wonder why we feel this way. And it's crazy to think that because we put up all these blocks and we hold our own selves back. I know that I used to proudly wear the shirt of a workaholic and be in the space of like constantly doing things. But when I shifted that perception, when I shifted that I could still be in so much passion and not have to sacrifice. And I think that leads perfectly into the next question because the default response to a question like this something like what we're talking about is something along the lines of shouldn't we get more balance in our life right and the predominant idea is like then what is this thing called balance is it 50 50 is it 60 40 you know at what scales is this whole thing and what is this thing called balance balance for me is not ever 50 50 <laughs> balance i've learned and i i used to also have that you know preconceived notion well is my life ever going to be balanced and when it wasn't i felt like i was doing something wrong and then you beat yourself up and then you're never perfect and how come they can balance and i can't balance and it's just this vicious cycle of judgment self-judgment that doesn't serve anybody 
And so I just learned that <laughs> I think what really helps me now is being um, more intentional around my feelings, meaning tapping into being more mindful, um, listening to myself more, um, you know, listening to that inner voice and not being afraid to talk back to the inner voice. I think that that's such an important thing for me to have learned, but it's a feeling now versus looking at my calendar and judging myself. Okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not balanced here. But in this moment or in this week or in this month, wherever you're kind of pausing and asking this question, do I feel good about my effort? And where do I feel strained? You know, where do I feel tired or that I'm being excessive? Because if I've already known and trust myself and my inner voice is telling me so, and pay attention to that. So for me, it's really a feeling. And sometimes it isn't um, on paper balance, but spiritually and in my and in my heart and, and, and in my body, it feels balanced. There are times when I give myself permission to nap. Oh my gosh, what a concept, right? But when I nap because I feel off balance and then I wake up feeling better, I don't judge myself that I just took an hour nap and wasted the day. I honor myself because I found balance knowing that my body was tired and I needed that rest. So it's about being more kind to ourselves, especially our type A selves. They're constantly, you know, wanting to do more things, new projects, bright, shiny objects. Oh, what's that and that? I can do this. <laughs> and it's about being kinder and more mindful about how our body and our mind, when they actually are in agreement and you feel good about something and you feel like you have accomplished, then I feel like it was it was worth it. And I think we know, instinctually we know, like if it's 6 o'clock and we're still working, but our husband or wives are kind of like hanging out by themselves and we even have to stop for a moment and say, what are we doing? Then it's probably time to stop and be with your loved one and, and find that balance in, a, in each moment versus trying to schedule it. It doesn't work that way. Because you end up beating yourself up because your expectations are so high that you'll always stick to your calendar and it, it, life doesn't work that way. I think that having a business plan or um, outline or, you know, just having some systems and structures in place are highly effective, extremely needed, especially in the world of creative entrepreneurship, which a lot of my clients are. Um, it is an absolute must-have, but there's also a need for these systems and these plans to um, have built-in fluidity, have built-in, um, you know, flexibility and assumptions that are built in as well that allow you to move and maneuver with the the drastic and fast pace of the market of technology of you know our next our new generation coming up and how they work and how they think our older generation and and blending all of that i think it's um there's definitely a need to have structure because otherwise we would just be all over the place and have no time management have get nothing accomplished so action action steps and goals um, can be, you know, obviously um, a part of our journey as entrepreneurs and in our business model every day. Um, but when there's too much structure and you are the type that, you know, constantly judges yourself, which we all do to a certain degree, you just have to get better at managing it, then <laughs> you also get paralyzed too when there is um, too much structure that doesn't allow you to pause and make adjustments. And that, that's where that balance is so tricky. You give yourself permission to, to make changes and flow and adjust and pivot along the way, um, but not 
so much and so constantly that you really aren't, um, you know, staying on course with your North Star, with your ultimate goal and your dream. And that's where mentorship comes in and, and taking courses or getting the extra help, accountability partners, mastermind groups. That's really where that community piece and that's what the Star Community Network for me is all about is we're great at what we're great at. That's what I help teach and uncover. Like you have this amazing gifts and, and talent uh, but there are also areas that other people have amazing gifts and talents that you just didn't come with and it wasn't meant for you to you know elevate in that way because you have to elevate in this way and help people in this way and that's really where the success happens when you collaborate you ask for help and that's the big key key component of, of the social community network it's all about creating connections creating strong authentic um, real communication, real talk, real discussion, uh, and then collaborating with your tribe, with people that really are in sync with your integrity, with your values, etc. Molly, by any chance, have you read Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking? I have not, but it is on my list. Uh, you really, really should. I, it's it's something that I want to read and reread and reread and reread. And... It's, it's just magical that way. But one of the things that I just wanted to bring attention, which I thought was so appropriate for, for what we're saying, is there was a stage in Amanda Palmer's life where she was doing the busking thing that we, we know her for. And she was a white bride in a square. And she would have a bouquet of flowers and people would give her money. And the transaction would be, she'd look into your eyes with pure gratitude and give you a flower and at one point a homeless man had come into her orbit and he'd seen this kind of thing play out and he took some of his own money some of his own treasure chest of of havings like this is all that he had and he would go and give her that money and at times she felt like overwhelmed like how can you be doing this and when she spoke to him later, he said, you just seeing me, you just giving me that flower, it was worth so much more than I could give you. Mm, that is so powerful. It reminds me, Lena, of the things that we do every day that are natural to us, that are our gifts. And we don't really know that they're gifts because it's so innate within us. And yet when we interact with someone else, and for instance, you know, you're at a bus station or you're inside the subway and your natural gift is to look around and smile at people. It's just who you are. Like you can't just look at someone in the eye when they, when, and I can't do this. When someone looks at me in the eye, I can't just like have to stare at them with a blank face. I have to smile or acknowledge or something. And a lot of people, if you're, if you visited big cities, um, find that to be very uncomfortable. But imagine if, if there was someone across from you that felt so invisible in life, and maybe that was like their last train ride before they're about to take their life, and you acknowledge them, just because that was who you are, we don't know that. So we have to just be ever present to who we are and give ourselves, all of ourselves, every day as who we are. Not try and mold into anything else. I mean, we're all scarred. We're all we're all bruised, we have so many things, but we also have amazing gifts 
that are just natural and innate within us that we didn't have to develop. We also have amazing talents that we've developed, of course. But what if just being who we are were enough? And that's the lesson for all of us. That's the lesson I still ask myself every day when I have my moments of weakness and insecurities. And I'm like, okay, remind yourself of your greatness, right? It's more than just affirmations. It's really like truly owning the fact that you are, we are miracles. The fact that we even exist in the cosmos. The fact that all the elements came together to form us. In this one little planet, in this side, this one body, isn't that a miracle? And if science can prove that we're miracles, how come we as human beings in our mindset can't own that? And that's what I want to teach. And isn't it almost funny to see how we pinch ourselves or how we we reset ourselves into thinking like, Oh, there's all this amazing awesomeness happening. There's a trick to this. At some point, the reset button's going to be fit. And it's interesting that we go to that as our default response rather than going, ah, this is the new standard. This is the new me. This is the new way of being. Yeah. I think the trick also is to be open to the people around us who who really deep down in our soul know that we can trust. And even if their words or their sharing isn't, um, doesn't feel so nice and it's all uncomfortable, but they're being honest with us, that's when we don't have to hold, we don't have to be blind. We can consider the possibility that there may be some truth to what they're sharing with us that we need to really, you know, go deeper and, and, and ponder. Is that true about me or is that how I'm coming across? without beating ourselves up, because that's really how we expand and grow. I mean, I think the biggest transformation happens is when we're jolted. You know, it's when we're jolted and when we're just like, whoa, where did that come from? Why did they say that about me? Or what what happened? You know, what, why did that result end up happening after I took this action? And a lot of us, myself included, do we sit long enough to pause and think about how everything interacts with one another and has a reaction? And, and um, the conversations we have, the words we use, they matter. And to, to pay attention to why people are sharing what they're sharing. Um, even if they love us, even if they are, are you know, enemies, or we consider them to be enemies, right? Because they're, from their perspective, they see something that obviously we're projecting. And whether it's from their frame of reference or not, it's important enough to pause and ask ourselves, do I want to project that? And what is it about me? Because you can't do anything about the outside world and how other people um, act and, and react, but you can certainly kind of pause and say, hmm, how, how can I be different if this is not something I like? And then there's that time-honored question of, is this a lesson or is this just an experience that we're being invited to? Mm -hmm. Is this something that I need to learn from? Or is this just something that's going to happen external yeah. to me regardless of who knows what? For example, a plane crash. That isn't the world trying to strike you or teach you a lesson. It's just something that happens. So it's a fine balance between those two things. I think also be, being um, in a place where you have a safe, comfortable space with yourself um, you know, something like meditation or just a few minutes of pause, whether it's the music or exercise, 
um, where you can really just sit with yourself, um, or even if it's through running, you know, be with yourself for a few minutes and just process how you're feeling, how your body's feeling, what, what stresses are going on with you. Um, you know, being ever, ever mindful of the feelings you're having, whether it's good, bad, uncomfortable. Um, because then that's, that's kind of an invitation for yourself to create a different, um, reaction to it. You know, what, what can you do about it versus going back into the routine? Okay. Well, I don't feel good. So let me just, uh, let me just go out tonight and, and hang, hang out a happy hour and have like five or six drinks because, you know, I don't want to deal with it. Um, so we have all of our stuff have default buttons. We all have default buttons. Um, but I think that's really important to have that safe space with yourself first and foremost and to create, um, either a mentorship or accountability partner or even just a dear friend or your significant other to be in a relationship with someone and to create that space for someone before they feel safe. Because it is um, isolating when you're trying to process everything by yourself, but then you don't have anyone else to share this with. And I think that that word community and the word partnership and collaboration makes a big difference in business and in life to run ideas by other people that you trust and to just listen, just listen to their reactions, not not feel judged, not automatically go into the defense, just listen. And historically, maybe those people did go into isolation and felt like they needed to detach from society in a kind of sort of way. Yeah. But we don't need to be those people. We're the people of our own creation, aren't we? We're the people who get to decide what kind of experience we're going to have and how we're going to show up and be in this world. So the greater invitation is to not be that lone eagle, to not be that lone wolf, but to soar in that community, to find a network, to find a tribe, to find support systems, to find your team as an entrepreneur that supports you in that. Yes, and I also want to, um, you know, kind of speak to the the entrepreneurs too. I mean, those that have this powerful entrepreneurial spirit, they're such visionaries, they have big dreams and big hopes, and they're in uh, a structured environment. And, and I think that that's beautiful that's really where they perform best and that's really where they want to be not everyone is designed to come out on their own and have their own business um but you can lead and you can be a visionary and you can do anything that a you know from a mindset standpoint that an entrepreneurial solopreneur can do inside an organization if you're willing to take those risks and if you have the um, communication skills to be able to inspire those around you and to, to some degree, even inspire your leaders, <laughs> you know? And that takes bravery and that takes courage and it also takes an environment and a culture that actually, um, um, you know, invites that, open to that. And I think that's really where people feel so upset because they can be entrepreneurial uh, in, in every aspect of their mindset, but they're in an environment inside an organization and they're not interested in having their own business but they're in an environment where they're just stifled. And that's where the retention and turnover really, you know, has has a big, uh, you can see that, that they're not feeling heard and that you can't spread their wings um, and share their dreams and visions to make this place better. So that's just also something that I wanted to bring up because entrepreneurship um, is, it can happen, it can be explored, it can be felt, it can be experienced. <laughs> Uh, whether you're inside an organization or not, and that's important for people to know, um, you don't have to have your own business 
to be a powerful visionary that can make change and create change for so many people. Mm. So, on that topic of leadership, you're the co-founder of a leadership network yourself. So you're pretty much in the know of what it takes to, to be a leader because you surround yourself with the leaders and the aspiring leaders. So to the audience, whether they be within the business, on the outskirts of the business, leading their passion or just doing it for themselves, or, you know, growing their business because an entrepreneur doesn't need to be in a small segmented space. What advice would you give them in order to be their best form of leader? I think my word for the year truly is collaboration. And I think collaboration encompasses everything. It, it encompasses um, the, the need to, to be a better communicator. And we have to learn that, you know, whether it's taking a course or whether it's in the midst of it all and practicing it and making our mistakes and stumbling and learning, you know, with the other person or the other people's feedback. Hey, that's not cool to say or that's not really appropriate. Whatever needs to happen to develop, but be open to that. I think collaboration for any leader, I think that's the word for me, and that's, that's the answer that came to me when you asked that for 2015. To be a strong leader or a stronger leader, invite people to share more of who they are, of their personal vision and mission for their lives, and then see how you can actually um, map that out into the goals and the visions of the organization. Like, make that a fun event. Make that an invitation. Um, you know, you don't have to demand everything from your people. Invite them, inspire them, motivate them so that they will want what you want because they feel that they are on board. They feel like they own this process and this journey with you. Um, and that, so really it's about that collaboration, you know, building a team and making sure that people's gifts and talents are honored. Um, create assessments so people really have this, this given permission to tell the group to tell you as the leader what their gifts are. I mean, when was the last time you asked your employees or your colleagues, what do you think they're gifted at? Um, where have you developed your talent? Do you feel you're bringing that to the table? Like, have we created an environment where you actually can bring your gifts and talents to this particular role? How might, might we do that for you? And how can you see that bringing more productivity to the team? That's when you talk about this win-win. That's when you talk about this. We both have the benefit of being here. Not just you and not just making sure that everybody else is profitable, but I'm feeling disengaged. I'm feeling taken for granted, uh, you know, uh, and I feel like I'm not being compensated. There's so many ways in which we can shift our conversation so that it's a collaborative feeling instead of, you know, um, feeling like you're a subordinate and then you have a boss. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, in those collaborations, in those spaces, the most amazing conversations happen. And not only the most amazing conversations happen, but things evolve from those conversations. And I've been honored and blessed yes, I and, agree. and completely in awe to be a part of that and to be experiencing that right now as I put together the Global Movement Summit. But back to the little things Molly shaped. Where are you headed in 2015? You've got the podcast. You've got the network. You've got the communities. You've got the leadership circles. 
what is the thing that's fueling you in 2015 and helping you take that flight that you're doing to just that little bit higher level, the effortless level? 2015 for me, again, is truly about collaboration, but more importantly, on a personal level, about feeling fundamentally sound that my legacy is going to surpass me. Um, the physical me, the ego me, the, you know, the Mali Pompadour as a personal brand. It's really now being able to take all of my efforts of soar underneath all of my channels, whether it's the TV show, whether it's the podcast, the publications, you name it, retreat, all of that. Um, it's the mission of helping every single person sensibly see, own, articulate, and release their unique message and mission to the world can be delivered, whether it's through all of my personal channels that I've built or through the uh, store facilitators that I'm training or just through people knowing how important it is and to spread light and love and, and, and show up with their gifts and talents, whether it's directly through my programs or indirectly just by being inspired by listening to this podcast, who knows? Um, I think that for me, if I can... Have a life where I know every day at least one person out there in the world is finally owning that they are miracles walking here on earth. Then I would feel really alive and that my work, whether it's through me or the work of the world that happens to be around helping people soar, um, I feel accomplished. And that's really where I'm at to, to make sure that every day, every decision I make, um, is pointed to my North Star and the question, am I helping someone out there soar in their business and in their life? And if the answer is yes, then I'm a very happy girl that day. Mm, I love that. I love that. That is so true to who you are and, and what it is that you've been brought forward to do on this purpose. Thank you. So as we wrap up, how can people follow the Mali experience and connect with you and support you in your soaring? <laughs> well, the best <laughs> the best way to reach me, I think, at this point is to visit um, the soarcommunitynetwork.com, and it's just soarcommunitynetwork, all one word, .com. And also um, my um, consulting website, Mali Pompadit, and I know you'll have uh, that spelled out on your show notes, <laughs> malipompadit.com. Um, and then also just all through social media, you can find me under Mali Pompadit. You can Google Soul Community Network, Tea with Mali, uh, Creative Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, I guess if you just you know, uh, put my name in there, then all of my programs will show up. So whatever resonates with you out there, wherever you are, if you'd like to be a guest on one of our podcasts or even our show, um, just reach out to me. If you have something amazing to, to share, and I believe we all do, just a reminder, but if you're ready to release it into the world, um, I'm happy to walk you through that journey and get you launched, get you out there. Thank you very much, Molly. That's amazing. Thank you, Lena. Thank you so much and looking forward to connecting again. I love it. Uh, congratulations. Give yourself permission. Permission to be amazing, bold, generous, valued, celebrated, inspired, and transformed. 
Because when you choose to live from courage, and be authentically real, and you choose to make the moment, meet the moment, step up and step in, being the true illuminary that you really are, honoring the supernova within, that's when you honor the invitation to greatness. For more information, head on over to www.lenaski.com.